Welcome to the Tech Suite, your go-to source for the latest legal updates on the fastest moving sector, brought to you by Minter Allison Rudwatts. I'm your host, Susie McMillan, and I'm joined by Richard Wells, who leads our privacy practice. In our last episode, we were discussing top tips for managing a data breach. So today we're going to build on that by talking now about the recovery phase. You've done your notifications, you think that the breach is over, but actually the work has just begun. (laughs) Uh, That's classic. But before we begin, we just need to note that nothing in this episode um, is legal advice. So if you need any advice, please get in touch with us. Yeah, you're quite right, Suze, that it's not all that you need to do. Um, Often when you're dealing with one of these responses, you're really concerned about the cohort of individuals who might come out of the woodwork, so to speak, and raise privacy breach complaints or interference with privacy claims. And in a cyber breach scenario, normally the avenue that they focus on is what we call an IPP5 or an Information Privacy Principle 5 issue. Information Privacy Principle 5 is the one that talks about the level of resilience that your system needs to have in place to prevent the unauthorised access, disclosure or use of personal information. So if your passwords for your system were password 01 or ABC, ABC, uh, things like that, you might have a few issues that you haven't completely complied with um, IPP5. So what can happen in those situations with with an individual? How would they file a complaint and, and what would the process be in terms of dealing with that? Individuals have a right to make complaints to the Privacy Commissioner. Normally when you make those notifications to individuals, you should ask them really to direct initial complaints to yourself because it might be that you can manage it in-house. Um, as part of your breach response, you might have decided to, you know, uh, compensate individuals for you know the cost of replacing identification documents for instance or um, you might be providing some support services to them to help them through managing risks of identity theft etc so a lot of the complaints can actually be managed in-house and it's important that you have processes in place to do that after the breach but if they remain disgruntled or if they are just genuinely concerned about your management or response to a breach, they can take that complaint to the Privacy Commissioner. And the Privacy Commissioner will most likely come and try to um, understand from your end what the situation is and try to resolve that complaint between yourself and the impacted individual. The role of the Privacy Commissioner is really sort of a a mediator in a way. It's to try to put both sides of the story together and to to find a resolution that meets both parties' needs. And what happens if you can't reach that resolution at that privacy commissioner stage? Well, then the individual does have rights to go and take their complaint to the Human Rights Review Tribunal, which is a big step up. And to be honest, not many cases get that far. I think most privacy-related breaches or complaints can be dealt with before then, Mm. but there is that avenue to go down for serious breaches. Mm. And I guess from a risk perspective, now under the new Act, individuals can actually take class actions 
to the Human Rights Review Tribunal. So a big risk area when you've got a major data breach, you know, the Human Rights Review Tribunal can award damages of up to $350,000 for a complaint. So if you're looking at a class action, potentially huge numbers here. That's frightening, isn't it? Worthwhile noting that we haven't yet seen in the New Zealand context any class actions for interference with privacy, which is the technical term for a, for a privacy breach complaint. And with litigation funders now being active within the New Zealand jurisdiction and, and space, if there is a quite clear cut, I would expect, uh, privacy breach that was maybe the result of really poorly maintained systems or, or negligence, you couldn't rule out uh, a scenario where one of those was um, was taken as a class action, I think. So, mm. yeah, again, quite a frightening scenario for someone who maybe has a really rich set of data that they need to be doing what they can to make sure that the standards that they have in place, particularly around security of that information, are enough to meet that IPP5 threshold. And let's bear in mind that the IPP5 threshold just requires you to do what is reasonable in the situation to look after the information, to safeguard it from misuse, disclosure, etc. It doesn't require you to safeguard it completely. It just needs you to put in, in place the steps that are reasonable in the situation. So if you merely have, say, email addresses uh, without other rich data sources, you can probably get away with relatively simple levels of security in your system. Uh, if you are dealing with health information, rich information such as um, financial information, etc., you do need to reach a far higher level in order to be discharging your duties under IPP5, in our view. Yeah, absolutely. But also, you have to look at it from a practical point of view because I think, you know, when we've been dealing with some clients that undergo breaches, you know, the first kind of recommendation might be, oh, well, you should encrypt PDFs before you send them out or, you know, every PDF should have be password protected before you send it out. But for some organisations that are sending out information on a daily basis, you know, that's actually just not practical yeah. at, at a certain level. So understanding what is reasonable in the circumstances is a bit of a balancing act and mm. actually requires some quite careful thought. So that's probably one of the you know, the exercises as part of that recovery process after a breach is looking at what your security measures are, looking at whether there could be improvements, but understanding what those improvements could be in the context of your organisation and how you operate. Once maybe things have settled down, organisations really do need to take a lessons learned um, approach. And that could be as much as having a third party come in and, and conduct future audits for, for recommendations about how the system can be more resilient, that might be at a higher level. Uh, at a lower level, it could be just implementing and updating more regular training sessions, promoting awareness of privacy within your organisation. But understanding how other people respond to data breaches has been a little bit of a mystery, I, I have to say. So many people don't like to, to talk specifics when it comes to how they have managed their particular data breach because it, in some situations, outlines that they have really been badly compromised and in some situations we believe that they may have had to pay ransomware fines, uh, which of course is 
not recommended by our official agencies here in New Zealand, which we are aware does happen. Do you have any thoughts or comments on that, Suze? I I guess it goes to that point around reputation as well, because when you're managing a data breach, a lot of what goes on behind the scenes you don't necessarily want to make public, and actually you can expose yourself to more breaches Mm. if you are openly saying, well, yes, our systems had a weakness, because others could try to exploit that. So you do have to be quite careful about what information is given out, whilst also being transparent, obviously, about the breach. But maintaining that trusted sort of reputation in the market is vital. So as part of your response plan, probably having some sort of PR lens is important as well so that you know what information can be disclosed whilst also protecting yourself at the same time. One of the things that we have seen published, and it was very brave of this organisation to do so, but we think um, very helpful in the in the New Zealand community, was that the Institute of Directors suffered a data breach a, a few years ago. And as an incredibly valuable step um, following that, they did a lessons learned exercise and were good enough to present a paper about how they had faced up to this challenge and how they had worked through it including what their response plan looked like, uh, what the threat was that they were dealing with, and so on and so forth. So I'd recommend uh, that piece of written material, which is available on the Institute of Directors website, as as something that is a really good resource, because um, learning from others that have gone through these issues, I think, is, is important. And maybe in the future we need to encourage forums where in, a, in an appropriate way people can share some of the scars that they've, um, that they've had and the, the ways that they've managed to, to get through these particular data breaches. The storytelling uh, element certainly helps if it can be uh, shared in a, in a way that doesn't expose the organisation to further risk. Yeah, absolutely. And on the lessons learned piece, it's not just about management legal you know, IT being involved in that. It's actually a broader organisational exercise to educate your staff about, you know, what went wrong here, how can we all help to prevent these kind of things again, because it never is a matter of isolation, you know. Anyone could be um, impacted by a breach, so it's important to bring along your staff on that journey with you so that they know how to to respond in the future and, and things to look out for, you know, risk areas and that sort of thing. So that lessons learned exercise does need to be quite a broad and open exercise within the organisation. So I think that's probably a good place to, to wrap up this session. Thank you again for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, please remember to rate, review or to follow the Tech Suite wherever you get your podcasts and you can subscribe to receive technology updates to your inbox via our website at mintreallison.co.nz.